got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! It's tourney drop episode, Selection Sunday. We're finally here. We finally made it. Very exciting. Ben, initial thoughts on the tournament. Path to New Orleans. How are you doing? I'm doing great. This is like Christmas. Uh, except the Thursday and Friday upcoming, this is probably my favorite part of the college basketball calendar. There's so much intrigue. Everyone's got their own takes. Every team feels like they have a path. Every team feels like they have a shot. It's it's one of the best things in the world. All the mid-majors are happy that they're even in it. You know, it's it's great. But, um, man, my initial thought and what I was thinking as they kept going down the bracket is, where is Texas A&M? And, and why did this week not matter? Because apparently it did not matter to the tournament committee. Not only did they have them out, they had them the fourth team out. And man, when you look at the resumes of the teams that got in, specifically Notre Dame for me, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see how they were justified to be out of this tournament. I mean, not only the, the way they played this week, but their resume as a whole speaks better, I think, than the team like Notre Dame's. I mean, when you look at Texas A&M, a net of 43, 4-10 in quad one games, 5-0 and in quad two, 5-2 and in quad three, didn't lose a quad four. Notre Dame goes 2-8. and eight. In quad one games, two and one in quad two. So that's only four combined wins in quad one and quad two, as well as having a lower net rating, as well as being in a much, much worse conference. As well as AM beat Notre Dame earlier in the season. And I know they don't factor that in, but that just puts the cherry on top. They also lost the Q3 game. So the Q3 didn't really matter. Nine wins to four. And the quad one and quad two, I think, speaks for itself with similar records. Doesn't make much sense to me. This isn't the first time the committee's kind of shown that having a good tournament doesn't really mean as much as as we think. You know, every year going into the conference tournament, people start saying, oh, this team needs to win about two or three games to potentially get in. Well, AM did as much as you can, knocking off Auburn and then knocking off Arkansas. Arkansas. So I, I don't 
I don't really know how you can have this team in. They've proven they can play with anyone in the country throughout the year. So they definitely deserve to get in. The, the team I thought they should have gotten over would have been Michigan. And, and this is coming from someone who a couple of weeks ago, when we did the bubble episode, I said Michigan would probably be in. But yeah, I, I don't I don't really see how you can leave AM out after all they've done this year, and especially down the stretch. And they're playing their best basketball. My initial thought though, Ben, was it's it's pretty funny. Not a lot of people's initial thoughts was this. We get to see Peter Kiss uh March 16th in the playing game. That was my initial thought. And then I immediately went to if Bryant wins. Uh, whatever the over is in Arizona, Bryant, you're gonna take, and you just you just ride that over in Arizona, Bryant. If if Bryant wins this game, um, so yeah, I, it's it's a good bracket. I, I really like it. Were there any other surprise bids for you besides you know you mentioned Notre Dame, um, I kind of mentioned Michigan. Those were the two surprise bids for me. Um, I was gonna, I, I will say Memphis. Memphis really cemented themselves really off the bubble over the last two weeks, which is more surprising when it happened. Not necessarily that Memphis got in. I, like I agree with their seeding, but it did kind of surprise me how Memphis rallied down the stretch. Yeah, they, they really came together as a team. They really figured out their rotation, what guys helped the team, what guys fit together. And once they did that, you know, kind of handed over the team to Landers, Nolly, and uh, Jalen Duran and some other veterans on this team that really helped this team come together. I would just say the only other thing is is some of these seedings on the bubble just had me very confused. I thought Wyoming was nowhere near to a playing game, for being honest. I thought their resume was extremely good. They had a lot of great wins this year. They had 11 quad one and quad two wins this season. And when you look at the other teams ahead of them, they don't have anywhere close they only had two bad losses. I mean, 24 and 8 in an extremely good Mountain West Conference, a conference that I think is better than the ACC, so better than one of the power conferences. I, I didn't think that made much sense. I'll admit I'm a little biased towards them because I like them, but I think when I look at it objectively, they have way too many good wins to be in a play-in game. Um, but but other than that, I, I thought it was fine. Other than the, the A&M omission, uh, the other thing that irked me was Tennessee's seeding. I thought Tennessee was firmly a two seed. I, I didn't. I don't get why they're not ahead because of the tournament doesn't matter. We just we just discussed this. Yeah, the tournament I, does not matter. Auburn at one point was the number one team in the country. To me, that's why they're on the two line as opposed to Tennessee. At no point was Tennessee a number one overall like team throughout the country. Whereas Duke, Kentucky. And Auburn all kind of flirted with that throughout the year. To me, that's really what made the difference in the committee's eyes because I, I kind of, you know, I, I side with you on what the committee uses for metrics wise, but at the same time, I, I do think at the end of the day, they are humans and and that's why they're going to put Nova at, at a two seed. You know, I, if you're asking I actually me, thought Villanova deserved the two seed. I mean, they said they interviewed, they interviewed the head of the committee after he said conference championships do matter. Well, I, I don't see it in your seeding of Tennessee and a team like Auburn. They have almost identical quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four records. Tennessee actually has more. Tennessee has three more quad one wins. They're 
six places ahead of them in the net and they won the conference championship. Um, doesn't make sense. 26 and seven to 27 and five overall. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me at the end of the day. I think you're right. I think Auburn's been a more public team this year, partly because of Jabari Smith. I think Bruce Pearl, you're right. They were number one in the country for a long time. But the way they've been playing these last three weeks, I don't think they're worthy of being a top eight team in the nation. I, I really don't. And the way Villanova and Tennessee have played at the end of this season, I think they deserved it. And I don't even necessarily disagree with that. Uh, I'm just trying to view it from the committee's eyes. And and when I do that, I'm not really a, as surprised with the Tennessee three seed ranking. Let's get into something you and I like to discuss a lot because it, it matters so much in the tournament is is the draw and teams paths to the final four when you look at this bracket is there any you know one seed or two seed or three seeds path to the to you know the lead eight or you know the final four that really jumps out as you as as kind of easy and and a little bit um generous for that team i really like arizona's path I think Arizona is one of the best teams in the country, but uh, getting a team like Seton Hall or TCU, I just think they have way too many athletes to run those guys out of the building round two. And then getting an inconsistent team like an Illinois or Houston in the Sweet 16, I think they will just beat them over 60 minutes with their efficiency and um, their running forwards. I don't think that Illinois has enough big guys that can run the floor with Arizona. And I just don't think Houston has enough scoring. I mean, Arizona is going to score 70, 75 points in you every game. Houston can't play that game with these elite teams. I think they have a pretty smooth path to the lead eight where it's a potential Tennessee or Villanova matchup. And if it's Villanova, I love Arizona in that game. Arizona has way too much size for this Villanova team. Way too much size. If it's Tennessee, you know, it'll be a little bit more contentious and I think it will be Tennessee but I, I think Arizona has a straight path to the lead eight yeah I, I the only game I really worry about would be Illinois I I really agree with you about Villanova this Arizona team would kind of run them off the court to be honest with you in terms of Tennessee maybe that's where it gets a little bit more difficult for them but I almost like the Villanova matchup against Tennessee better then, then I like Arizona against Tennessee. So I kind of think that Nova's probably going to knock Tennessee to see them. I I agree with you that Arizona is probably the easiest easiest path. So in order to just not be repetitive, I'm going to throw out this is a little bit of a wild card because the elite eight game is going to be an absolute war. But to me, they're going to be able to prounce to the elite eight and and definitely the sweet 16 and that's Baylor Baylor is going to play Norfolk state. Then they're going to put the winner of North Carolina Marquette to me. They're probably going to slaughter both those teams, St. Mary's and UCLA being your five, four matchup is, is kind of generous. And I also think both those teams are prone to an upset. So you could be looking at, at maybe a, a lesser team, a potential Indiana or, um, even St. Mary's would be lesser size and length compared to what Baylor offers. So I really like Baylor's path to the lead eight and they only have to see one of um, 
not not almost in Murray State, but they don't have to see one of Purdue or Kentucky, which is is huge. And I, I think those are probably two of the best two three seeds in, in the tournament. So that that's a really generous path for them. I agree with you. I I like Baylor until they get the Elite Eight matchup. Now, when it gets there, it gets really hairy with a Kentucky Purdue team that I think has stylistic advantages over them and personnel advantages. Specifically with Tashibwe and the Purdue big guys, I, I'm not sure if Baylor's gonna be able to hold up with you know their only big guy left in Thamba really, and then they're trying to patrol out Kendall Brown and Sochan. So I I don't see how that goes, but I, I agree with you. I love their second round matchup against I, I think it's gonna be North Carolina and man, North Carolina can't play enough defense to stay in that game. There's just no way with Baylor's ball movement and uh, the way they run the floor and the, the dynamic guards they have, there's there's just no way. And as much as I like the St. Mary's team, I don't think it's a good matchup for them either. It just feels like they get out athleted in that game. And, you know, if St. Mary's needs to really control the pace of that game. If it gets too high, it, it's going to get ugly, but I agree with you there. Uh, what, what about a, a high rated seed? Casey, I think has a really, really tough draw because I have one in mind. Well, maybe mine's the same one you have in mind, but maybe it's not. I will say just from a schematic advantage, Kansas probably has the toughest Elite Eight game between with, with Auburn or Wisconsin besides maybe Baylor's. But to me, the toughest path to even get out of the second weekend or get, get to the Sweet 16 is, is Gonzaga. I would be really worried and cautious about just penciling in Gonzaga to the lead eight or to the final four. And the main reason for that is, is going to be UConn in Arkansas, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't just pencil them into the sweet 16 because to me, Memphis, what Memphis brings is a, a lot of length, which we have seen has caused Gonzaga to struggle in, in years past. And, really during the year or they get Boise state who really plays well as a team. They can hit a lot of threes, play great defense. And I really like what Leon rice has built up there. So that's not even getting into what UConn and Arkansas could potentially do. And then when you look at, Oh, well, who's their two seed, their two seeds Duke. But to be honest with you, I don't think Duke's going to get there. Cause to me, Texas tech's going to drum Duke, which I, Oh my God, I, Ben! If we get Texas Tech like beating Coach K by twenty, in what, where's that going to be? I don't. I don't. They don't. They don't have the Sweet Sixteen sites on this, but wherever we get Coach K, just losing eighty-one to sixty because his team got absolutely stifled against the Texas Tech Red Raiders, I'm gonna love it. I agree, and I, I also had Gonzaga in mind. I think this is a very tough draw to give your number one overall seed and pretty unfair, honestly. The, I, I was thinking about Boise State in the second round. I, Boise State has the ability to slow down any game they want in the entire country. They have the personnel. They have the defense. They have the big men. They, can sl- they will. They will slow this game down. Gonzaga will have to grind this game out every possession. They will have to you know, be okay with scoring 68, 69 points and winning the game by, you know, five or six points. You can't get careless with the basketball. You cannot give extra possessions to this Boise State team. I agree with you. And then the man, the winner of that UConn-Arkansas game, 
just has a lot of that's going to be a great game. And that that game just has a lot of athletes in it. Whatever team you look at, J2 Note is a flamethrower. UConn just has so many guys that can throw at your guards to frustrate you. They have Sonogo down low who can match up with Chet and uh, Timmy. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. If Gonzaga gets to the final four, I will probably be favoring them for the national championship because the war they have to go through to get there, they're going to have to play some damn good basketball. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And that's kind of why they're probably not going to be in my final four, but we'll get to that later. First weekend. Well, we won't even go first weekend, just initial first round in your mind. What are the best three games that you see? Three, three marquee games that, you know, if you can work permitting or school permitting or whatever your case is, that you should make a conscious effort to watch and potentially bet. This Murray State-San Francisco game stuck out to me immediately. Two teams who have probably been flying under the radar all year who have been playing some of the best basketball in the country. The two San Francisco-Gonzaga games, Gonzaga was very tested. It came down to the final four or five minutes. They played them very well. This Murray State team has been dominant over inferior competition all along. The guard matchups in this game are just delectable. I mean, they're incredible. Both sides, just dynamic guard play. Uh, it's really going to come down to the trenches, I think, in this game. Uh, you know, who's going to get the more rebounds in this game? Who's going to play better defense on the in the inside? But that game really stuck out to me. Uh, the second game that stuck out to me was this Ohio State Louisville Chicago game, just because of the two stars. And I know for a fact they're going to guard each other up and down the floor the entire game. It's going to be a treat. It's going to be EJ Liddell and Lucas Williamson. They are going to guard each other up and down the floor for 40 minutes. They're going to be on each other. They're going to be taking each other to the post. They're going to be banging on each other down low. It's going to be a treat, man. Two, two very well-coached teams, you know, two teams that have flaws but also have a lot of strengths to them. And some of their strengths are very similar, I think. Uh, that's going to be a great first-round game. I think the other game I'm looking at is this Houston UAB game. Uh, Vegas doesn't think this is going to be a close game, but, man, watching – you know, I respect Kelvin Sampson a lot and his team and the way they play defense, the way they organize themselves. They are going to be ready to guard him. They're going to be ready to guard Jordan Walker. He's a dynamic guard. He scored 40 points two times this year, including in the conference tournament. He He's going to come ready to play. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to shoot the basketball. He's going to score the basketball. Kelvin Sampson's one of the best defensive minds in college basketball, though. He's going to figure out ways to defend him. He's going to figure out ways to throw guys at him. They have athletic guards. They have athletic wings. They're going to make it hard on him. And so just, just an incredible matchup to watch, I think, is, is going to be the mind of Kelvin Sampson against Andy Kennedy and figuring out how to get his premier shooter open. All right. I like it. Well, also, what was your third one? You said Murray State, San Francisco. Ohio State, you- Louisville, Chicago. Ah, so okay, so so yeah, you took another one of mine. Yeah, uh, you you took, you basically took three three that I were looking to fill two spots. You actually didn't take my number one game, which is Michigan State Davidson. I I I think that's gonna be a great game. And oddly enough, I wanted to ask you this question when we're on the phone, but I thought it would be better to save it on the pod. True or false? Davidson has the two best players in this game. You're right. That might be true. 
that 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 really might be true. Also, we get the foster lawyer revenge game. That's that might be the leading story. This is that's the thing they're going to talk about four times during the game. Hey, did you know foster lawyer used to play for Michigan State? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. And, and this is the Greenville. So this is the Greenville regional with uh, Duke against Cal State Fullerton. So I would not be surprised if this is like Rafferty on the call. Yeah, it, it might be this. This You're right. This has potential to be all time. Uh, Michigan State has really good defenders, especially on the wing. They're going to be going up against Hong Jung Lee. I think one of the smoothest players, one of the best shooters in all the country. It's going to be fascinating. Also, the coaching matchup in this game. Incredible. But, yeah, Bob McHale, who has been at Davidson since 1997, uh, without giving away too much information, what year were you born in? 1998. Yeah. Bob McHale has been the coach at Davidson for longer than Ben's been alive, and he's been – and I was born in 96. So, and we, we went this whole entire time talking about Davidson without even mentioning Luka Brajvogic, uh, who is, you know, he was, he was a 10 player of the year, the six ten, the six ten small forward power forward, whatever you want to call him shooting 40% from three this year. Uh, he's, he's got, he's got potential to really go off this tournament. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Davidson, uh, Pulls off this 10-7 upset and then potentially pulls off maybe another upset. I, yeah. I'm going to say everyone's going to beat Coach K. Cal State Fullerton, you're going to get my love. So <laughs> the Titans will definitely get my propaganda real quick. But I think you, you touched on something with Brognosevich. Is, is that correct? I, I think so. Okay. It's going to be fun watching him pulling out Big Hampton from the, from the rim. And, uh, you know, primarily interior defender. They don't really have anyone else, I think, that can match his size. So Binghamton is going to have to figure out how to pull himself away from the rim, guard him on the perimeter, you know, also banging on down the low. So I think you're right. This this is one of the most fun games to watch. Just the matchups, the coaching, the chess moves, it's going to be really good. Yeah, and the next place I'm going to go, I'm between three games and I'm really going to, I want to highlight all three of them. So I'm going to pick four games that you must watch Providence, South Dakota state. This what we're going to discuss this game in a, in a little bit, a little bit more, but just know that everyone and their mother will be on this 13 over four upset. I can guarantee you that Providence is only a two point favorite right now with the lines opened. South Dakota state is one of the best bin majors in the country. I, I know Ben made a living on South Dakota State all, all year betting wise, and this is definitely a game you should want, you should consider taking in your brackets, in your pools, and in, in you know a money line, whatever. I, I'd really be looking at this game, and it's just going to be it's going to be a great early test for Providence for them to really prove themselves in this first round. This is a tough draw for Providence. Then my set, then my second of the three games is going to be Colorado State against Michigan. I'm really looking forward to this game. Colorado State's oddly the sixth seed going against Michigan, who's the 11 seed. The reason I'm really getting excited for this game is, uh, with the exception of Orlando Robinson, I don't know if uh, David Roddy's really had to go against someone as big as Hunter Dickinson. And to me, he's going to get him in a lot of pick and rolls on purpose where they're basically going to give the ball to Roddy at wide and he's just going to attack Hunter Dickinson. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if David Roddy plays Hunter Dickinson off the court. This is going to be a really exciting game. Isaiah Stevens can definitely hang with Michigan's guards as well, but this is definitely a game you should you should watch. Yeah, and I think on the other hand, I think Colorado State's going to run into a lot of problems with Hunter Dickinson on offense, distributing the ball from the post. They're going to have to double. They have no choice. They're going to have to double, or he's just going to hit that left-handed hook shot on him the whole game and score 40 points. They're going to have to double. He's a great passer. Can the Michigan guys make shots? I think that's what it's going to come down to because they will have a distinct advantage with Hunter Dickinson on offense in the post. Yeah, they're going to have to double him on when he's on offense and on when he's on defense, you have to go at him. Like you have to bring him out wide, attack him, try to get him in foul trouble. Anyway, you're going to have to pull him out of the paint to be able to score in the paint. Yes, 100%. And my last game, my fourth game, is going to be this Arkansas Vermont game. It's this is a tough draw for Vermont for a lot of reasons, mainly the length and athleticism of, of Arkansas. Vermont's just not seen a team like this all year long. And I, I, I really can't remember the last time Vermont's seen a team like this in, in general. Um, the most comparable would have been Providence or Maryland, but that's, that is not uh, – anywhere near what Arkansas is. And this is going to be a really exciting game. This is going to be another one where a lot of people are going to be telling you to, to pick this upset. It's just going to be a really good game to me. It's going to be a clash of two styles. I know you're going to be all over the over in this game, which, yeah, you should be all over the over in this game. So those are my four games to watch to match Ben's three. All seven of those games are phenomenal. And also, as always, the eight, nine games are really good. Yeah, as much as I love Vermont and as much as we talked about them all year, I really think out of the four seeds, they drew the toughest game for them and the worst matchups. You know, the other ones are Providence, Illinois, and UCLA. UCLA and Illinois would run with Vermont. I really think they would, and I think that's that would be their best-case scenario. And uh, the game against Providence, I feel like Providence could go cold and Vermont could really hit some shots on them. But the Arkansas team can play a lot of different ways. They can slow it down, play a defensive grinding game. They can run with you. They can make shots. Uh, I, I don't like some of the matchups that Ben Shingu is going to get in this game. This is going to be by far the best defense he's seen all year with some of their wing defenders. Uh, it's going to – Ryan Davis has to play the game of his life in, in this game. I really do think that, you know, he's going to have to – Mix up Jalen Williams in the post, give him some dirty post moves, give him some step-back jumpers from the mid-range. I really think that's the only way to get it done. I, I, I love this team, but this is a terrible matchup for them. Couldn't have said it better. Well, on that Vermont note, let's move into five teams that are, you know, seven or lower seed where, where we could see them potentially making it out of the first weekend. So, Ben, I'll let you take it away. We're going to identify five. Who's your first? My first. Man, uh, I like the matchups for UAB. I, I really do. I think the first game against Houston, they're going to have a great defensive game plan for Walker, but if they can get Quan Jackson going, and they're going to have a distinct advantage in the post with Trey, Trey Jimison. You know, we talked about that already, but I, I think they can really win that Houston game. And then, man, the Illinois game, Illinois is just really inconsistent. Their, their guard play is not always there. Corbello is not always there. They actually have a guy to throw at uh, 
Kofi Coburn. They can throw Jimison at him. He can hold his own weight. I, I like their chances in both of those games. I, I think Andy Kennedy's a great coach. Yeah, I, I love Houston as well. You know, they've been they're led by they're led by junior guard Jordan Walker, who's averaging forty one percent from three this year. He's taken two hundred and seventy five attempts for the year. He's shooting eighty eight percent from the line. He has a really good assist to turnover ratio. He's he's really the heart and soul of the team. But you mentioned Quan Jackson, the shooting guard senior. He's you know. He kind of puts a bad name on shooting guard with his 22% from three, but they do have some other guys who can hit with Jamal Johnson, the junior guard, as well as Michael Ortel and KJ Buffin. So I would also be on upset alert for this UAB team, as well as maybe even a sweet 16 run as they do kind of get a generous draw with Illinois in terms of a matchup for them. I will say Coburn against UAB would have a field day. Again, I think Jimison, you know, he's going to get his 25 and 10, but he, he could prevent him going for 40 and 20, I think. I, I think that at least he has the size and the weight to not just fold under the pressure. And if he could stay out of foul trouble, I think that they could uh, they could take advantage of their guard play. And I don't know about you. I, I think I know how you feel about Brad Underwood, but I, I think they have a coaching advantage <laughs> in that game. Yeah, they definitely do have a coach advantage. <laughs> My team's going to be the San Diego State Aztecs. They're an eight seed playing Creighton. I like them to win that game. Then, obviously, they're going to have to play a one seed. They get Kansas. Kansas, I understand, you know, it's Kansas. They, they see a lot of great defenses. There's a lot of great defenses in, in, in the Big 12, especially Texas Tech and Baylor. Well, guess what? Kansas has lost games to those teams. And I think this San Diego State team could potentially pull off that upset against Kansas. So I like them as a potential sleeper. Sweet 16 team, but also sleeper Elite 18. I think Matt Bradley could do just enough if they play Iowa or Providence and their defense is going to lock them up. So give me them. Who's your I, next team? I agree with you on that. I, I will be in Fort Worth for this hopeful Kansas-San Diego State matchup. That's going to be a lot of fun. You're right. They have not seen any defense like San Diego State giving credit to Texas Tech and Texas and teams like that. Um my next my next pick is going to be Davidson. I know you talked about that earlier. I think what really makes me like Davidson uh, past the Michigan, we already talked about the Michigan State game a little bit, but over a potential upset over a Duke team is that Duke Notre Dame game that played out in the ACC tournament. I think Davidson could play a similar game to that. They have similar shooting to that. And uh you know, Duke just kind of ran with them for most of the game. They, they just kind of ran with them. They played a very open game. But I think the difference is Davidson has a way better big man who can provide some interior scoring when the shooting's not necessarily going their way. You know, their names relying on guys like Jimmy Bayheim and stuff like that. So I like Davidson. I think that game could play out similar to the Notre Dame game. And Davidson, I think, actually has better shooting and a more of an inside presence. And if Duke runs with them, they're going to be in trouble. 
Well, I appreciate you leaving my Jackrabbits to me. The 13 seed South Dakota State Jackrabbits coming in at 30 and four, playing Providence. To me, that's definitely a game they can win. Providence doesn't really have a great big, which is usually how you can beat beat these smaller teams and and really impose your will. So I, I I love South Dakota State in that first game, but also if they play Iowa, who could potentially be on upset alert with Richmond, let's not let's not gloss over that. But if they do play Iowa, that really matches their style, and there there might be sixty threes attempted combined in that game. So I, I really want to see that game. Yeah, my next one is going to be a, a very familiar name and a, a team that really I was worried about going in the last month of the season, but really went through their conference tournament with a lot of determination, and that's this little Chicago team. And I think both of these first two matchups kind of line up with the kind of game they want to play. They want to play defense. They want to play slow. They want to maximize their efficiency in the half court, get rebounds, and that's how Ohio State wants to play, and that's how a potential Villanova matchup, that's how they want to play. And, uh, you know, Little Chicago lacks a little bit of size on the inside. So does Villanova. I, I don't think they would take advantage of them too bad. They would have to contain Colin Gillespie. They would have to find one of their – maybe they put Williamson on him. Who knows? But uh, that would be a key in that game. But just the style of play between them and Ohio State and a Villanova, I, I really like. Yeah, I think our listeners at home were probably thinking, why are these two fools doing five teams between two of them? Well, Ben, and I didn't even plan it out, but those are the five teams I was going to pick. As well. uh, I don't so, see anybody else that I really favor too much. The only into the Sweet 16. So, so the two teams that, uh, be, like, you know, blind bracket drop, if if you were just asking me, like, what, what you know, mid-major teams do you like to potentially do that? I would have told you New Mexico State and Vermont. I just hate their draw. Like that, that that's a horrible draw to try to do that. New Mexico I, State I, has a terrible draw. Yeah. And San Francisco isn't going to get run out the gym against Kentucky, if we're just being honest. And the then only, uh, the only other team I kind of thought about was maybe the winner of this Wyoming uh, Indiana game. I thought about them too. Just. Indiana has a lot on the inside, I think, for St. Mary's to contend with, and, and Wyoming, too. And then I just – I mean, I think we both thought this UCLA team has just been a little fraudulent all year, not consistent enough on a game-to-game basis showing up. What I will say is Hami Hawk has just really stepped it up down the stretch of the season and been the go-to guy. So, um, you know, I'm not as worried about them as I once was, but I, I could see the winner of that Wyoming-Indiana game creating problems. Completely agree. Well, that wraps up this episode of On the Line of College Basketball Podcast. We'll definitely be recording again tomorrow. Going to go over two regions in depth as well as Final Four picks and maybe even Sweet 16 picks if they have them up. As always, you can follow us on On the Line NCA on Twitter. OTLsports.net is the blog. We will definitely be doing some more blogs this week. Ben's going to be doing his one from Fort Worth. Uh, when I go to the final four, I'll definitely have one for that. And we're going to be pumping out some more content, more bets. Uh, it's it's going to be a heavy, heavy gambling week. That's, that's for sure. But we really appreciate the support as always. See you.